Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. Today, I have a guest that I have been, uh, I have to say giddy, like I never use that word, but I've been really, <laughs> really excited to have her on. Um, amazing woman who has such a, a wonderful, bizarre, twisted, fantastic, amazing story oh. of uh, how she got to where she is and she's not done yet, right? So this is, right. it's really great. Um, I have with me uh, Morrison from yes. Warren Law Group. Uh, Morrison is a, she's, she, I, you know, usually you think of attorneys as what can they offer, like <laughs> the attorneys. Here's a human who happens to be an attorney. <laughs> right. So, so with that, Morrison, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes, yes. Um, all right. So um, so you didn't always, you weren't always uh, an attorney. Right. And you weren't always an attorney dealing with cannabis. Right, right. So um, I... I love to wind back the clock huh. and, and where I love to start is um, it sounds really strange. And yet, you know, uh, there's a, a little psychologist in me that, that pushes through every so often and I'm not going back to, so let's begin with your mother and your father. Right. You won't start there. <laughs> I do want to know, like, where did you grow up? Oh, um, like, I don't, I don't know that. Where'd you grow right. up? Because that kind of stuff influences the way you think. Yes. Um, yeah. You have been in relationships. You've come out of relationships. That's the human side of this. Um, you've been in litigation. You've come out of that. You yes. are now helping people in a very specific niche, yeah. which is currently in its own turmoil, yes. trying to define itself. So, there's a lot to pack into our time together. So could you back up and go, like, where did you grow up? How, like, how did this, how did, like, you weren't always Morrison, right? Yeah, well, I've always been Morrison. I was born Morrison. That's my uh, last name. So I've always been Morrison. Okay. Um, but I, I was born in Montreal, Montreal, Quebec. Okay. To um, a single mother, a Jamaican mother, Pansy, who's an amazing lady who I just lost in um, 2013. Uh, you know, rest in peace. Yeah, thanks. But she um, she came from Jamaica, and I was her first child born here. Um, I'm, I mean, here as in, uh, you know, North America, although the West Indies is also North America, but I was born in Canada, away from the West Indies. So, um, yeah, I was, I was born in Montreal and then raised out in... Um, Kitchener, Ontario, outside of Toronto. Some people are referring it more to as Grand River. That kind of um, harkens back to what the native people called the area. So I often use Grand River uh, out in Ontario. Give a shout out to anyone who's listening from Ontario. And yeah, and, and, and let me just uh, pause for a second because sure. uh, people from the United States have a really um, uh, geographic centric sense of North America. Yeah. Right. So when you say North America, it's like, oh, well, of course that's the United States. It's like, right. no, 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 no. There's this whole gigantic like yeah. region, uh, maybe even a country above right. us that's, right. uh, <laughs> right. that's part right. of North America. So, <laughs> so I just wanted to point out like, Yes. Um, <laughs> right. The northern, the northern half of North America. Exactly. That's where I was right. born. But I call myself a Jamaican. I'm Jamaican Canadian. That's awesome. Yes. Right. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. That's 
Um, and then at the age of 16, I moved to New York City with my mom. She was having trouble um, finding work as an LPN, a licensed practical nurse out there in Canada. So she moved to New York City, Jamaica, Queens. She was always all about Jamaica. And mm-hmm. that was where I spent my teenage years, half of my teenage years, and then all of my, uh, pretty much all of my adult life until recently. So I was pretty much always in Jamaica, Queens. Okay. New York. Yeah. So you went to school there. Yeah. Um, at 16, that means you you came in almost like as a sophomore in right. high school. Right. Junior high. It was quite cult- it was quite a culture shock, complete change um, from yeah. what I was used to growing up kind of in the suburbs out in Canada and then coming into the inner city in uh, New York. It was very different. Yeah. And um, it, it's a it is different. And I would imagine that culturally there's a difference also Mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like how to fit in. Right. So so talk a little bit about that because at 16, you start to have interests that are like, life could be interesting. Life could bring me down this path. And you start to also individuate in a way where you go, you know what? I'm, I am, I am me. Yeah. And at the same time at 16, it's like, I'm me, but I, I really want to belong, but I'm yes. me, but I want to belong. So right. if you could wind back the clock a little bit for yourself and just like, most people don't think about uh-huh. when they're 16. And so again, like, as I ask, as I ask you, I'm asking our, our audience, like, think about the yeah. decisions you were making when you were 16 years old. Right. So. Mm, right. Absolutely. Mean? Yeah. I mean, um, it comes back to, you know, I have a lot of fresh memories in my mind, just kind of bringing it up now and thinking about it. And I did very much go through um, a culture shock. Um, I felt very, I grew up in a, I felt like I grew up in a completely different culture. I can kind of give an example. I remember always, I wasn't like a, you know, super athletic uh, as a teen. I was really into volleyball and I played a little bit of soccer. And But whenever I did play sports, I would be very competitive, but just yeah, kind of just joking and gesturing with people be like, hey, I got the ball from you and ha ha ha. And, you know, in Canada, we'd all just kind of laugh about it. And I would just kick the ball around and, you know, and I thought it was just fun. And I remember my um, early, early on at, uh, in Jamaica, Queens, going to high school out there and kind of, you know, playing my first game of soccer with the girls and doing the same thing, like gesturing with the kids, you know, the girls I was playing, my co-mates, my students, um, and mates or friends, and they weren't really friends. I didn't really know them at the time. I was just getting to know the new people there and, um, uh, my classmates, I should say, that's what I was just looking for. And the principal, saw us on the on the field playing and she saw like the other girls kind of getting upset and she calls me to the side after this was out in Jamaica Queens and she said to me you know I know like in Canada you know this is how you play around and you joke with the girls and you know you're just playing but here we don't do that like you can you can really lose your life and these girls are getting really upset like just don't play like that and it was just like and it was really shocking to me because I always you know it was, it was a it was a more serious it was a very serious environment you know and it taught me a lot that was a big culture change for me and it showed me <laughs> just like joking yeah to I was just joking life over a joke yeah, like that a different so. culture um yeah and even though I was from Canada which wasn't that far away and a lot of times we feel that it's the same culture that runs through through all of North America especially for Canada and the U.S that showed me that there was a real difference. And I did feel um, a little bit alienated. Like it was hard for me to, to fit in. I felt like even though for me, racially, at least, because in Canada, I was always um, very much a minority. I was you know, always one of the few people of color and few black people in classes. And But out uh, in the US, in New York, at least in Jamaica, I wasn't anymore feeling like I was in the minority, particularly where I was in school. Um, so I fit in in terms of how I looked. But then I felt like personality wise, uh, I didn't, you know, and so that was a real challenge to me. So I I could really understand what you're saying about like, yeah, at 16, it was like a big change for me. And, you know, it's hard to always fit in, but it's good to not fit in because I feel like that's kind of how I figured out who I am and found who I was as a unique person and individual. That's a huge statement, right? That's like, and, and you know, what's funny is that adults 
uh, you know, each of us, I think is, we're still looking for how do we become our own person? So, um, you know, this is, it's huge because you're demonstrating it every day. You're demonstrating it every day. And, um, I hope I am too. Um, but I think, I think your story is one of, um, it, it's kind of dramatic, like how you demonstrated <laughs> that, like you are your own person. So, right, right. Um, so talk about two paths. Like mm-hmm. at some point, you decided uh, law is a really good way to go. At some point, you decided about your relationships, mm-hmm. and I want to explore both. I think that you know, both of those are so fascinating and and to a degree they're intertwined for you mm-hmm. um yes it's it's like it's one of the reasons i met you at an event i've i neglected to say this in the introduction i met you at an event in new york city and um pretty much fell in love with you at the time it's just like <laughs> fell in oh love with my you god too. This, this, <laughs> right this it's like I just have to be around you. Like right. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah. uh, so it was one of the reasons like, wow, I just, I, I want you to share. I want to share you and I want you to share with uh, the audience. Like how did you become like, yes, you've always been Morrison. It's your last mm-hmm. name. Right. Um, and yet that is sort of like, your one word moniker that's mm-hmm. like who you are yeah i call you something else though yes yes you do <laughs> <laughs> you have my secret name that's, that's right nickname. it's a code a special name. way nickname exactly <laughs> uh, which is cool so talk about if you don't mind talk about the path um yeah. talk about relationships and then talk about like like, it's weird. I knew in seventh grade, for example, at 12 years old, I knew I wanted to do something in psychology. I knew it. It was my calling. It was like, I just knew that was the path. I didn't know where it would take me. Mm-hmm. How could I? Right. Um, but I knew that it was like, I must connect with humans. I must lift humans. I must, you know, talk about potential and get people to really listen to their own whispers of desire. Like, that was deep in me, even at 12 years old. And I started to pay attention to that. Mm. At what mm. point did you know, um, like who you were becoming? Hmm. 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 I mean, um, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That what a great answer, right? It's like, that's an answer of permission. It, right. it really is. It's like, just be, you know. I can explain how I got here. I don't know where I'm going to be going or who I'm becoming. Um, but I have high hopes. I have high hopes for who I am. Well, I, I, have a, I have a retreat to help you and others oh, figure yeah. that out. So yeah. exponentialsuccesssummit.com. Right. I looked the- that up. It looks possible. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great to be a part of it. Yeah, it'd be great to have you. All right, so uh, (laughs) back to you. Yes, yes, back to me. Um, So, I mean, for me, um, I'd always been, I've always been a writer and I've always been very focused on truth and justice. Um, I grew up in um, the church, Pentecostal church. My mom was a fundamental Christian. We go to church like three, four times a week. Um, And I was very intrigued by the Bible and religion and um, I guess just the word and reading. And people would always tell me in church and outside of church, even in school, that I should be a lawyer. So I've heard that my whole life. I feel like ever since I was like at least seven or eight, I've been hearing, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. So um, and when I went to high school and particularly when I transferred here um, to in Jamaica, I went to Hillcrest High School there. They they gave, they told me the same thing, like you should be a lawyer, do pre-law. So that was what I ended up doing and going to law school. I ended up going to law school. But on the way, I um, met a wonderful man, my ex-husband now at the time. He was, a, you know, he still is a lovely person and uh, got married and had my daughter um, right before going to law school. So I went to college first. Um, Where'd you go? Finish. 
Queens College, Queens okay. College to the University of New York. Um, shout out to all the alum of Queens College, it's a great school, great education for not a tremendous amount of money. And I just hope that we can maintain that here in the city. It's such a wonderful privilege to be able to be a part of that. Um, and so I went to Queens College, met my husband, and I got pregnant before going to law school. So it was a real decision um, for us to make in terms of whether I should, you know, how, how, was, I, how was, what was I going to do? And I found that I had just gotten into law school and I decided to um, go ahead and go to law school. My mother very much encouraged it. She felt like this was a huge accomplishment um, for our family. I was the first to go to college for all of our family. So she was just, you know, she felt like it was really important for me to do that. And she and my um, husband at the time decided to take on much of the burden of, and, and, the, and the pleasure as well of raising my daughter. Um, and I was there too, but it was, you know, for the first couple of years, it was, it was very difficult. And I ended up just, you know, studying a lot and working yeah. really hard um, in college, I mean, in law school. And which, which law school did you go to? So I initially got into University of Pennsylvania and then I transferred mm -hmm. over to Columbia. Okay. Law school. So I ended up graduating from Columbia. Um, and it was, it was, it was tough, but I learned a tremendous amount and decided to um, pursue financial success because I, I've, I had always been, we've always been like working class or poor and always just struggling for money. And I guess I grew up thinking that money was the solution to everything. Like if we just had money, our lives would be so much better. So I just totally focused on making money. And it was um, at the sacrifice of a, of a great deal, like a sacrifice of, you know, spending time with my, with my daughter and the sacrifice of so much in my life. And um, a friend of mine was just asking me recently, I think it was just two days ago, like, oh, what are you trying to do in life? And what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just like to make some money. Right? I'm like, I like to just make some more money. And, you know, as I thought about, she's like, she, well, I have to tell more of my story because I ended up, you know, not, making choices that weren't so focused on just making money. But she was like, I don't believe you're just trying to make money because you had so many opportunities to make money and you turn it, you know, you don't always focus on that. So I was like thinking that that's true. Um, Cause money I felt for me uh, kind of took on how do I say it? everything almost like I had to really focus and it felt like it was almost like a God. It was almost like a god, you know. Mm. And so, anyway, I went to law school, graduated, decided to focus on going into these large law firms uh, in New York City, and they were really great to me. I mean, I learned a great deal. I I had a great deal of exposure. I learned, you know, about making business, you know, pleasing clients, doing great work. And I really appreciated the experience I had um, there at the law firms. However, it was a tremendous amount of work and I wasn't able to spend the time that I really wanted to with my daughter um, and ended up going in-house, working with a major client at my firm, doing more of the trade finance and commodities work. While I was in the law firms, I was doing more of restructuring, reorganization, chapter 11s, bankruptcies, because I was always um, wanting to make sure that I was gainfully employed, whether there was a downturn or an upturn. So during the booms, I, I would do mm -hmm. the more financing and representing creditors, secured creditors, unsecured creditors, um, and, you know, just doing, you know, origination work and securitizations. Mm -hmm. And then during the bankruptcy or downtimes, not well, during recessions, I would do more of the bankruptcy work. And I went in-house and was um, very much enjoying it. The hours were great. Um, I really enjoyed the team I was working with. Um, and I would always spend a great, deal, a great deal of time focusing on my health and my body. And I would spend a lot of time running each day and jogging and watching what I was eating. And so while one, one day I was at the gym and I was watching, you know, this, the, tele, the screen that was on at the time while I was on the treadmill and I saw flashed across the screen that um, I don't remember the name of the executive was an executive from Apple was leaving to join uh, the cannabis industry and, and marijuana. And I was, and this was before it was legal. That was back in like 2014, 2013. And I was, 
I was absolutely flabbergasted. I could not believe it. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing because, um, as I said, I grew up in a fundamental Christian family, although my mother was Jamaican. She never endorsed using any kind of drugs, particularly not cannabis or any of that. But she would tell me stories about how it was used for healing and, um, you know, back in Jamaica in, in teas and things of that nature. So she did have that understanding of it. But at the same time, she did not encourage its use in any way, shape or form. So I was very surprised by that. And I just wanted to explore and learn more about it. And I joined um, a, a new angel investing group in the cannabis space, ArcView, and started to um, learn about the industry and see you know, how I was going to plug in. And I decided that what I wanted to do was start something for people like myself who just wanted to learn more about the plant um, and, you know, see how it can help with healing others. Um, and I opened up a, decided to move to Denver, Colorado, and I opened up a lounge out there, sanctuary, uh, which focused on the spiritual aspects of cannabis and the healing aspects of cannabis, but also just having fun because that's very important to me too. So we, we did a bunch of different things. We would do, you know, yoga and meditation and goddess workshops and parties okay. and all kinds of different things. <clears throat> all right. So something more than just, oh, I just decided, you know, I saw this thing on TV while I was on a treadmill <laughs> and then I decided that I was going to invest. And then I decided I was going to move from New York city to Denver, Colorado yes. to open a lounge. Like <laughs> that's just, there's a paragraph or two missing Morrison. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so let me back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. There's quite a bit missing. There's my whole personal life that was missing in that whole story. This um, is where it intertwines. Is this it? Yes. This is oh, where it intertwines. <laughs> please. This is fabulous. <laughs> Okay, because right. I didn't know the timing. I didn't know this was, this is awesome. Yes, yes, right. this is where it intertwined. Um, yeah, I, I, this is where my whole transition took place. It was quite uh, harrowing, but ex but exciting and good for yeah. me. Um, so in 2013, <clears throat> um, right before uh, cannabis start, it started being legal for recreational use, it was legal for medical use in a few states before then, but they were just starting to make it legal for recreational use in Colorado. Um, my mother had passed away um, she, from various ailments. And um, it was really, I don't even know how to, how to describe it because I was very close to my mother, you know? Yeah. And um, she was like, a, she was my hero. And it was hard for me to accept her mortality and as I thought about it more and more, I was thinking it was probably I was thinking that it's probably also it was evidence to me of my own mortality. And mm -hmm. that was also hard to accept and deal with. And um, right when cannabis was becoming legal and they were starting to come out with all of these different ailments that cannabis actually helps with. And a lot of them she she had. And I and I started to wonder, like, I wonder if that would have healed her or helped wow. her in some way, extended her life in some way, if, if she was able to use these to actually heal herself. Um, and that was a huge part of the motivation for me as to why I wanted to delve more into the industry. I wanted to, to learn how, how to heal other people like her and how do I heal myself as I age. Um, so that, that really was a big part of the impetus. And then yes. my daughter also left for college. So, and I was still married to my husband at the time. So I was experiencing the whole empty nest um, experience because she was my only child. And I started, I realized that I was uh, a lesbian. I fell in love with a good friend of mine. Um, and at first I was... Um, I told my husband about it and we were trying to work through it as best as we can and, and save the marriage. Cause we'd been married for close to 20 years by then, mm -hmm. but I just, you know, I just had to be honest about who I was really. And that was, you know, what I decided to do and we talked about it and we decided to get divorced. And uh, after that, I, well, a little bit before that, I met up. <laughs> 
the, the lady that I ended up uh, being a partner with and going out to Denver, Colorado with uh, together. So she and I went together to Denver, Colorado. We got uh, an RV and I just, you know, pretty much sold everything I had here in New York. And we just drove cross country and camped all the way and, you know, made it all the way to Denver, Colorado. It was quite exciting. <laughs> We had quite a party when we when we actually got uh, to Colorado. Uh, I was like, "Yay, we're a place where it's legal. Let's light up." It was fun. <laughs> so, like, that's a that's a huge shift, right? So, yes. um, you know, and then I, <clears throat> you just sort of threw it out there this line, and then I realized I was a lesbian, and then <laughs> it's like, <laughs> pardon? Like that's not something you just sort of yeah realize, is it? Like right. <clears throat> I don't, for me, that's how it felt. I don't know for other people. And I've, I've been hearing more and more stories and hearing that this is more common. I, I heard even on Sex in the City, there's a new character who's had this similar story. So I was like, wow, this is like a thing. Okay. Um, I just did not. I, I was always um, androgynous. And I've always had a very masculine side to myself and, and character, but I never emphasized that. I always tried to be as feminine as, as possible. So I can, I've always known myself to be androgynous and have a very masculine energy to myself, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of my attraction to women. I didn't notice that until very late in my life. And once I did know, I, it was uncontrollable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't hide it. I couldn't. Like I, it was weird. It was very strange to me. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. And it, it's, it's just, you know, it's surprising to anyone to hear it. I was surprised. It took me a long time to accept it and um, acknowledge it because it was a very strange experience for me. It just felt like it came from out of nowhere. I think, it's it's really I think it's, you know, I think that process of, you know, I'm a big one for listen to the whispers. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. There's something about the desire that calls you. And for me, it was a, a path of, you know, service overlaid uh, with psychology overlaid, you know, or, uh, on top of it, around it, et cetera. Like that's, right. that was the whisper for me. For you, uh, it was, it was like, well, it must be law mm. until it became like, well, it must be women. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Like, well, and, and here's the key to this. And it doesn't matter if it's sexuality. It doesn't matter. I mean, to me, like it, uh, if it's a calling for a career path or a switch in careers or um, a lot of my uh, audience knows about my desire for a very particular kind of luggage. And it was like, hmm. I can't explain why. Right. I just must. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's the stuff. And when you start to pay attention to that, like the luggage I got, for example, is like artwork to me. It makes mm, me yes. happy. Every time I travel with it, people comment on it. It right. is, yeah. it is, I still can't explain it other than it must be mine. Right. So, yeah. um, and I think the same is true for a, career path if you mm -hmm. listen to it and i think the same is true for uh <laughs> for identity right yes. like and so it's like <laughs> i just <laughs> love the line you, you've seen me writing so if i'm looking down it's because i'm writing and it's oh. like <clears throat> <clears throat> and then i realized i was a lesbian it's like <laughs> that is so good it's like <laughs> Oh, you know, just sort of like, and then I, and then I realized this isn't the tea I ordered. You know, it's like, that's fantastic. It's really good. Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, would like to invite you to dare to declare that your dreams are worthy. Beyond all of the success you have that got you here, you know you're bigger than the life you're currently living. What have you set aside to get to where you are? Don't you want to wake that back up? It really is possible to explore new dreams and dare to desire without giving up your current path of success. Pop over to Dr. Purnell's free masterclass to help you get from your desire to your destination. www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com That's powerfulpresencemasterclass.com Dr. P's Free masterclass is at www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com.
So, you know, obviously that takes a little discussion with a husband. Obviously that takes a little discussion with a daughter who's going off to college at that point. Right. Um, And obviously that takes a little discussion with yourself as you hook up with, connect Mm -hmm. with, uh, and uh, assume commit to, at least for a short time, uh, a new partner. Right. And combine that with, Oh yeah, I've given up law and I decided to go to to Denver to open a lounge. Awesome. So this is where it gets interesting and like confounding and, you know, somehow you found your way. Mm. So at this point, like this allows us to come from 2013 to present. That's only nine years. Right. 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 There's a lot that happened in those nine years. You, you came from, Colorado, which was exploring with, is cannabis legal? Is it not? Mm-hmm. Right. Is it medical only? Is it right. recreational? Right. So right. you came from there to back to New York, where you're now attached to an amazing law group. Yes. Right. Warren yes. Law is Fantastic. like, I mean, I just a shout out to Chris Warren because yes. he's, he's an awesome human. Right. He is, like, he is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris is awesome and a wonderful attorney. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the whole group, like I've met, I don't know how many of the attorneys at, at Warren Law and they're like, every single one of them <gasps> is smart. Yeah. They're yep. human. Yeah. They're humane. Yeah. And they are tenacious as heck. Like, yes. Yeah. Like they won't let go. No, which no. Is, which is what you want in an attorney. In so, an attorney. <laughs> all right. So, uh, no, so, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I, and I've been at a few firms, as I've mentioned, and that's one of the things that really distinguishes this place for me is that there is a real deep caring for clients and taking their work very seriously. You know, it's really a great place to be an entrepreneur as an attorney and just to help people because they really focus on that and just knowing the law and being excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really funny because b- not being an attorney, you mm. like as a as a consumer, right? Just as a as somebody just out in the world, I assume attorneys know the law. I assume they want to be excellent. And my experience is that's not always the case. <laughs> which no. is why like meeting Chris Warren and so many other of the attorneys at, at Warren yeah. Law, it's like every single one of them. So, right. and it's one of the reasons, like when I met you, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, here's, yes. here's this human that happens to be an excellent attorney right. that happens to have moved from a certain part of law into now yeah. cannabis as right. a specialization. So, Absolutely. so talk about the last nine years, like, yeah. Ta-da, you came out. <laughs> okay. Like, and then like, and then you found your way back to law, like from yes. the lounge. So tie up those pieces for me, because I sure. and, and for the audience, right? So yes. yeah. I mean, um it was a uh I won't say backbreaking, but it was a really tough experience for me because I um Pretty much, I've always been in banking and finance uh, to the extent that I wasn't, before I was an attorney, I would be a teller and an investigator. So I've done a lot of finance and banking work, and then I became an attorney. So I didn't really have experience being an entrepreneur as such. And um, it was a lot of things to to pull together. um, And I feel like the main issue for us at the time was really the, the leasing issue um, on the space that I was at. I wish I had the funds to just purchase the space as opposed to leasing. And there was a lot of things that come kind of on the, just the physical side of the space that just didn't go very well. And I ended up having a lot of issues with my partner that I was with at the time as well. So things just kind of fell apart for me at the end of being out there in Denver. But at the same time, it was, it didn't fall apart, it, you know, fell together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up learning so much, so much about, you know, running the business, learning about cannabis from seed to sale, um, every aspect of it, learning. I got to know so many people who were new in the industry I and mean, it was just starting. So, and, and there weren't a lot of places 
in Denver or in the world at that time where they were actually, you know, it was legal cannabis and people could come and gather. So I ended up meeting people from all over the world and uh, entrepreneurs from all different walks of life. So I really was happy to have the experience in the end. And now I see how incredibly valuable it is to me. Like I would not be anywhere close to the attorney I am today if that didn't happen to me. So I want to, I want to pause because, um, you know, I look for leadership lessons along the way and, and this is, a point that so many people miss, right? That you turned ad like an an adversarial condition yes. into an opportunity to learn. Yes. Right. So here's this like you wanted to have a business. Yeah. Then there were issues with a partner. There was issues with the real estate itself. Yeah. There were yeah. issues with the contracts. Yeah. Um yeah. But certainly you weren't alone, but certainly, you know, dare you share that? Dare you explore? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I need to learn everything about this business. And a lot of people would step back and wither and take it as a sign that maybe they just weren't meant to do this. Right. Right. Right? And you took it as a sign of maybe I just don't know enough about this. Yeah. And that's the leadership lesson. Huh. And and I want to just, I want to point that out, that when you are faced with uh, obstacles, hmm. that's the, like, you just get to choose the meaning you give to those hmm. obstacles, hmm. right? Yeah. And, and you could take it as a sign, yeah, you weren't meant to do this, or hmm. you could take it as a sign, wow, maybe, you, maybe there's more to learn. Right, <laughs> yes. And because Morrison, because you stepped in, you went, there is more to learn right here. Mm-hmm. And then there's more to learn right here. And then there's more to learn and more to learn and more to learn. And you became, as a result of the the expanded circle that you have, mm-hmm. you became one of the top experts. Yes. And it's it's like, it's great. And, and just so you know, I was sort of watching for your response when I called you a top expert and you're like yes it's like you own that because of your experience you own yes. your expertise right? yes so, yes yes I, yeah i paid for it i've sacrificed for this so I, yes and i know it I do know it. <laughs> right so a lot of people would go yeah you know there's still a lot to learn it's like no you know what i dove in deep yes i did the work so other people yes. don't have to right i'm in it i yeah. know my yeah. stuff it's like that's awesome Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And what you say about like just listening to the whisper resonates so incredibly for me. I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts on the same thing. And I was just like, wow, this really speaks to me. Um, Because for so much of my life, I, as I told you, like, I I was always told, you know, you should be an attorney, you should be an attorney. And I was, I always felt like something was missing though within myself. And I didn't really know exactly what I was supposed to do. That's And it. even though I was going through life and I had everything, like I was doing extremely well, more than I ever, I was making so much more money than I ever thought was possible. I was just like, wow, I can't believe it. And I had a wonderful family. I was married. Everything was going so well for me, but yet something inside of me was just like, something was just missing and I couldn't understand what it was. And but once I opened up to my attraction to, to women and my lesbianism, um, it started out as a whisper until it was just like knocking me over the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is what's going on with you. It took me a while to accept that about myself. Um, but once it, you know, I accepted it, I just kind of moved forward with it. And I feel the same thing with, with cannabis and exploring that world. It was a huge jump for me to, you know, leave my very stable profession and and run into this new industry. Um, But something told me inside um, in my heart that this is what I need to do. And I can say with respect to both of those things, it was, um, and with having my daughter too, I'll, you know, I'll put that, it's the same thing. It was just this thing within me that was very deeply like, this is what you need to do. And even though there's all of these obstacles, as you mentioned, on the ex- in the external world, and it may not seem like a really smart decision to most people looking on the outside. In my within, it felt right, and it, and there was like no doubt in within me, like this is the industry you need to know. This is what you need to be in, you know. So I, right. that's kind of why I jumped in. It's it it is so huge. It is so um, it it's affirming. 
Like when you do, and I see it over and over and over and over and over again. It's why I do the Exponential Success Summit is how do you get out of your own way so you actually can listen to the whispers? Because once you align with, with that, you are living in your purpose. So many people are like, I don't know what my purpose in life is. The answer is yes, you do. You do. If you would, if you would like quiet everything else and just listen. Right. It's like, yeah, but it can't be that. It's like, yeah, but it can't be. What if it is like, what if that's the thing? That's what it is. It's scary. It can be very scary. And I was very scared. (laughs) Well, it's scary because there's a lot of supposed to's out there. There's the external supposed to's. Right. And what happens is when people listen to those whispers, they actually do step into their power. They do Mm -hmm. like, you know, my first book, Choosing Your Power. It's about how do you actually declare who you are you know it's like right um well i choose to be this question mark and it's like there's nobody else to give you approval but you right and once you learn that and once you accept that once you step into that all the magic happens right Right. so you know here's here here's the proof yes you have it's a question you have zero regrets about pursuing multiple non-traditional paths correct yes zero right zero regrets regrets. right yeah right 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 Right. because because you had to right yeah you had to yeah love it i had no choice i had no choice absolutely and i i agree with you a hundred percent it took me a while as well to come to that um conclusion that I'm the one who has to judge myself. And when you said that, I was brought, you know, the image, the image of, um, I don't know if you've seen that, like the day of judgment in the, in the Egyptian tradition where you have um, the goddess Mayat, like holding the scales and it's a feather against the heart. And I, you know, it took me a while looking at that. I was like, what is that about? Like at the day of judgment on the last day, where really, you know, it's the feather against the heart and it's your own heart against the feather. Is it light? How are yeah. you judging yourself? You know, and I, I feel like that's that's really true. And it's, it takes a while to get to that acceptance of self. Well, and right. So depending on how you interpret certain sentences in certain readings, um, yeah. we are in heaven. We are mm-hmm. creating it every day. And so how on earth are we creating that heaven for ourselves? And how authentically are we living how uh true and in uh, integrity and in alignment are we living because that's what creates this like when you when you do that it's not it's no longer work right right Right. so when you think about you know every day well i've got this client or i've got that person (laughs) or i've got this thing that i need to you know fight for it's like that's not work that's the right thing to do yeah exactly Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how my life has completely transformed. And, you know, and I, and that's another reason why I'm so grateful and happy to be here at Warren Law Group, because uh, I get to choose and work with clients that I really care about and I'm pursuing justice for, and it's exciting, you know, and I, and I do um, look forward to each day and I look forward to doing the work that I do. And it's fun for me, you know, that's, I think so that that's really magical. That is magical. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So what's next for you in terms of, you know, I, like your life, your relationships, your expanded duties, whether that's right. at Warren Law or beyond, like your hobbies, what are you, what are you up to? What's, what's next for you as a, as, as yeah. an ever expanding human? Uh, um, just really working more in the, in the cannabis industry. I have, um, quite a few issues with the regulations that have been put in place. I think they're very extensive um, and, you know, I intend to be very active in the industry, just making sure that they're really fair and helpful um, to people who have been most impacted by the prohibition up until now. And um, I wish to just do more on that level and working more with entrepreneurs as I have been. I mean, we've been doing some capital raises and providing financing, helping people with their applications um, to start dispensaries and groves and, you know, sanctuaries, uh, lounges out here. So I, I want to continue to do work in that, in that area and also doing more with 
tribes and you know people who are have indigenous mm. culture making sure that their rights are protected as well and the people who are using it for medicine you know so there are so many different areas to continue to pursue and to continue to pursue and that's really uh what's on the horizon primarily for me i also um would like from all of this there has been um more of an issue like a schism, I would say, with myself and my daughter. And I really want to focus on us and, you know, developing more of a relationship with her. We are, we are mending it more and more, but, you know, we had a lot of falling out. So I want to make sure that that is, you know, I just focus on that. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so I'm good. Not, yeah. Yes, and I'm, and I'm not um, dating anybody right now. I don't intend to. I'm not looking. <laughs> I just kind of want to focus on, you know, my daughter, what I have, um, my family and friends and, you know, working hard. So that's, that's really what I have on the horizon right now. That's really great. Is there, um, I, I love this. I, I just, you know, it's, this is a natural kind of place to pause for us. Um, is there anything that you were thinking I would ask or that you were hoping I would ask or that you would like to share that, like, I didn't, you know, I didn't guide you in this way. And there's this one thing you were hoping to be able to, to share. Hmm. Um, <coughs> I really appreciated what you were saying about in one of your prior podcasts about um, looking at what we have, to, not as what we, looking at work is not what we have to do, but what we get to do and seeing it as more and more of an opportunity. Mm. And um, I, I feel that that is so true for me, uh, particularly now, because it's so, I'm so incredibly busy and I, and I get up every day thinking, I have to do this, I have to do this, but at the same time, it's joyful. And when I'm yeah. actually doing it, I'm like, I really love this, you know? So it's true. There's like so much, you know, joy that comes out of it. And I'm happy that I get to, to do uh, the work that I do. Um, in terms when of- you, When you live in gratitude, right? So I start my day with, right? I start my day with thank you. Yes. And yes. then instead of looking at my calendar going, oh my gosh, what's the day hold? It's like, yes. all right, I'm in service today. Yeah. What do I get to do? Who do I get to lift? Yes. How many lives do I get to change or serve today? Yes. And it makes everything, it makes everything kind of align very differently. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm the one that put those things on my calendar. On my head. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. It's absolutely true. So I, I love that. And I, you know, I want to reinforce that message. Um, I also am very much about remembering that uh, marijuana cannabis is, is also a healing plant and a spiritual plant before, you know, we just think of it as being purely recreational. It has many facets to it. And um, you know, as, as we go through to this new brave new world that we're entering, I just would like for that to always be kept on everyone's mind. And um, another big issue for me is just, you know, children. Um, as I've gone through this whole experience, particularly of losing my mother, I and, you know, spending time. Um, I also recently, unfortunately, lost an adult niece of mine mm. out in Canada. So that's part of um, my journey over the last uh, nine years is losing two people very close to me. And I did a great deal of, of traveling um, during that period, spent a lot of time up in the mountains, uh, just being remote off the grid. It was a wonderful experience. And I really got to get to know myself on a really deep level. Um, but from past, from losing those people um, and spending time in Canada, I got to be a lot closer to my sister and brother and their children mm. um, and their kids, kids out there. So I spent a lot of time with the young people and, you know, it's, it was just so, it's so it became more and more apparent to me and obvious to me that it's all the future is the children. Like, you know, I'm going to go one day and we're all going to go one day and it's, it's just about the kids, you know, and that's, 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 that was a huge lesson for me. I know it's something we talk about all the time and we say it all the time, but it's, it's real. Like there's just really nothing else but the kids, the kids. Are so there's, I mean, right. We look at the kids and pretty soon the kids are adults and right. it's like, then it's right. the next generation of yeah. kids. So the question is what legacy can I, as an individual, right. right. And this is the message to each of our audience members, as you're listening to this, as you're watching this, what legacy do you wish to leave for not the next generation, but the generation after that and yeah. after that, like right. 
the the ripples that you make now will affect generations to come right how deliberate can you be how uh how much positivity can you plant right now right that that's yeah. going to affect positively the generations to come because it is you know there are people that throw up their hands and they go well it's about the children you know and and we'll leave it to them to sort it out and it's like well so I, I i sort of take that back and it's like no it's about me yeah paving the way right right for our children to make decisions yeah that then allow them to make uh, their impact. Yes. That allow future generations to make yeah. their decisions to make future impacts. So, so I, I just I wanted to back that up a little bit, Morrison, because when it's like, yes, it's it's true, it's about the children. It's about us, us. creating right. the conditions right. for our children to live in a better space. Yes. And and what decisions are we making to to allow that to happen? Wow. I felt goosebumps while you were talking. To me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so good to have you here. Yes, so good thank, to have you. You. thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll be, be back in New York. I'll be able to give you a squeeze live. And in Yay! Person research, so <laughs> yes. That's good. Um, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. So thank you. If people want to reach you, is there like are you comfortable sharing an email sure. address? Okay. Sure, you can reach me at Morrison M O R R I S O N at Warren dot law W A R R E N dot law. All right, and that will be in the show notes as well. Morrison Great. at Warren dot law. Yes. Okay, and uh, as long as we're doing this, I would invite each of our listeners and you to uh, check out Exponential Success Summit dot com. All right, thank you. Again, thank, thank you. you. Thank okay. you. Very good. This is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. My guest today was Morrison with Warren Law, and I am Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We'll yeah. see you here next time. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor.